Here we go. Welcome back, everybody, to the All Access USL podcast. I am your co-host, Ben, here with other co-host, Noah. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, good to always be back on. Yeah, we're back. Um, after the Alexis Suahi interview episode, that was a great time. Hope to be doing more stuff like that soon and hope to have both of us doing that um, as well. This weekend, uh, a lot of games, a lot of games on Saturday even. I think it was the first time this season we've had a full slate on a Saturday with no Sunday afters or Friday games. Well, we did have Memphis Tulsa on Friday, so never mind. But we did have a massive Saturday. We're kind of switching it up this weekend in terms of what we're doing for this episode. Uh, we want to change things around. We don't want the episodes to be the same all the time because that gets boring for us to make. And I'm sure that gets a bit repetitive for you guys to listen to. So this weekend, we have only decided to cover one game in depth. Um, and then we're going to jump into some other things. So what game have you picked for us today? Um, Let's see. I feel I feel I'm just going to I'm going to do my team. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, um, that's fair. But also it's it's not just my team. It's it's more so Charleston. Um and how they're just doing just they're they're just they're so good. It's it's insane how good they are. Uh they're the quality they have on offense is just ridiculous. Fidel Barajas Jr. just per- perfectly lays off that that ball to Arturo Rodriguez and he scores what ends up being the match winner against us. Uh, but just, just overall, they're, they're just, they're so well-rounded. They're so well-coached. And I think we really saw that in, in the match yesterday, uh, but also defensive defensively as well. The back line just stays really, really solid. And it was really hard for us to break through. Granted, we were missing a lot of key uh, attacking pieces, but nonetheless, they still held very strong. Uh, Charleston did. So, I've been very impressed with them, and that's the game I picked. Yeah, I I agree with a lot of what you said. They are strong offensively. They are strong defensively. It's a big difference from last season. You can only like you can't say that enough. It's a big difference from last year. I continually get impressed with how they respond to adversity as well. Because like last year, you see a seven nil scoreline like San Antonio, and you're like, oh, next week could be even worse than that. How like how can you even get worse than seven nil? It's pretty hard, but you're like Charleston will do it because they're just not that cohesive as a team. After that game, they come here. It is a very depleted Monterey Bay team. To be completely honest, we talked last week about how this game would be difficult for both teams after what last weekend was, and we talked a lot about how Charleston might be able to do something here. And they did. And that just shows the progress that they've made. I'm, I'm impressed with what they continue to do. Right. Business goes on as usual and they, they took care of business. That's for sure. And it was, it was important for us to try and come out and set the tone. And we didn't really do that. Uh, I think we're still getting a little unlucky in some aspects uh, Chewy has hit the crossbar two times. Granted, granted, uh, the one of those was in the open cup, so yeah. I mean, with a grain of salt, I guess. But it was an absolute rocket just off the top of the bar. It was perfectly struck, and it's a game of inches. So you know, talking with him on Insta, he just says it'll come. 
Uh, but yeah, overall, we uh, we just looked really bad in the attack, and we just didn't. We were we were also struggling with the transitions from from offense to defense. We would give up the ball in that attacking third, and like the first thirty minutes, it was just like we give it up. And then we try and get back on defense, but nobody's getting back. There's like two people back and four Charleston players. It's just like a rush of yellow, yellow shirts at us. And so we need to do better. But when Hugh comes back and he was back in the lineup, I think that'll uh that'll clean itself up. But there's only so much Kai can do yeah. when he's the you know main starting center back and Moby's having to move from the center defensive mid role into the into the center back role. So it'll clean itself up. That's for a, sure. A lot of teams get caught um, red-handed on Charleston counter. That's what makes them so good. So I mean, it's it's gonna happen to probably every team sometimes. Like we saw against Miami uh, in the Open Cup. I thought Charleston had a good opportunity there to score at least in the opening half off of a counter, and they just made a poor decision, and that's what cost them in the end. So they have it working like all the time even against top-tier teams. So it's always going to happen. Monterey Bay fall to ninth. They're one spot out of the playoffs now. Are you, like, concerned? You don't seem concerned. And I don't think there's any room for concern right now. But do you think, obviously, if results don't pick up soon, then, yeah, things might need to change a little bit somewhere. Right. I think uh, when you look at it, I'm not going to like uh, dance around the the subject. I'm just going to go out and say it. We do need a win yeah. this Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. We need to win this Wednesday very badly just to, to get back. Because you look at it uh, with the teams that are currently above us, New Mexico, they played nine matches. Mm-hmm. Oakland has played nine matches or 10 matches, excuse me. Phoenix has played 10 as well. So those, those teams have games in hand against us, which is not the – the best uh, look for us. And so we really need to win this next time out. We really need three points. And I think Tulsa is going to be a great opportunity to do that considering Tulsa only has one win. And I don't even, I believe, I don't believe they have a win on the road yet. So it's going to be an interesting match, but we need one. Now at the same time, again, I'm not too worried because I understand the situation we're in and we're, we're just trying our best and given given the fact that we got two draws out of the last four, I I can't really complain because of how, you know, just how bad it's been injury wise. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not panicking. The the alarm bells are not ringing for me. Yeah, that you talked about Tulsa. Their one win came against Loudon at home, and that is, I mean, obviously a win's a win, but with how Loudon have been falling off immensely like they did last year so i mean this is kind of foreseen um it's could be it's gonna be a great opportunity to get three points and hopefully start building again like it looked like you could at the beginning of the season and as for charleston they sit top now so i mean a one nil loss i don't think that's too horrible at patriots point which is always a tough place to go play, especially a cross-country game. And can, again, like considering how, in, in particular, how depleted our back line was, only conceding one goal is very, 
I mean, I'll take that. Uh, Herrera makes a really good save too. So good to see him, you know, finally get a really, really nice save in league play. Great, great diving save. But overall, it could have very easily been three or four goals from from how we were playing and how much we were giving that ball up in our attacking third and how much Charleston were counter counterattacking, kind of really giving us a taste of our own medicine because we like to counterattack a lot. So uh yeah they they are just they're doing an, a, f- a phenomenal job and credit to ben pierman and i could really see him winning another coach of the year if he keeps this up do you think ben pierman if he has a good year this year and i don't necessarily think charleston have it in them to win the title this year purely because of how wishy-washy they can be especially against teams who can even slightly counter what they have to offer. But if they make the playoffs, which it seems like they obviously should, do you think that a MLS team takes a shot in the dark on him? I think, I think Pyramid Ball is a great system. Uh, he, he, he keeps everyone in line. He just, he, he knows, he knows how to get the best out of his players. And when we're talking about it, in MLS, you got to get the best out of your players to maximize your results. And so I very well could see that happening. I think it is a possibility. Uh, and any it depends what certain MLS teams end up, you know, standings-wise. But currently, maybe like a New York Red Bulls maybe would think about hiring him because they're kind of down in the dumps currently. And I know Troy Lesesne was hired by them, but we'll have to see how things pan out with him as well. And if it doesn't, we could very well see him gone this summer. So there's going to be some turnover at the bottom of the standings for sure. And I think it is possible we could see Pierman hired potentially. Yeah, I think a lot of it as well is that he wants to bring his own baggage because he brought a lot over from Memphis to Charleston. And I don't know, like Derek Dodson, Trey Muse, um, they all come to mind from who he brought over. Um I don't necessarily know how they translate to being able to play in MLS, but I definitely do think he gets an opportunity if this Charleston sort of rebuild goes as well as it, like continues as well as it has been going. Because top of the East after last year, I don't think you would have seen that coming, to be completely honest. And particularly already equaling their win total, I believe. So like, it's just, yeah, it kind of it kind of leaves you speechless from the from what happened last year, and it's a it's a big credit to them. Yeah, they were about as bad as Red Bulls two last year, and that is saying something because Red Bulls two, I think, won a single game last year. So, yep. Um, for my game, I have, I have two honorable mentions that I think were impressive wins, but I only have one game. That I'll, talk, I'll mention the two. Hartford Loudon, I think Hartford showed fight to actually win a damn game. So I'm happy for them. It comes against Loudon. And like we said, Loudon have been falling off of a bit. I think that's expected because of how their roster is built. They're just not ready for a mid-season dogfight like we're already entering. Um, another honorable mention, Indy uh, won switchbacks nil. Very surprising. Um, and a very good defensive display from Indy. They are capable of it, and they showed it. 
Um, but the game I picked is Detroit San Antonio. I think this is still a Detroit team that needs a lot of work, but it's just seemed right that they beat a San Antonio team who not necessarily plays the same way, but they both play super defensive and Detroit coming out on top just feels right with another fantastic finish. That's like the last three goals that they have. It's not Diop this time. It's Simonson. But the fact that they've gotten their last three goals off of something special and they win this game, it just feels right. It feels right to pick and it feels right that they win this game. Yeah. I mean, it it really could be like this turning point maybe for for Detroit. Because you look at it at this point, they're like the East is very tight currently. And we kind of expected that coming into the season since – the second teams are, are moving out of the league. Uh, currently, Detroit, for how bad they have been, sit three points out of the playoffs. And that That's is crazy. That is crazy. That is saying something. It's just, yeah, it, you can't you can't make this up. I mean, they lo- they've lost three out of their last five. They've drawn one, and they won one in their last five. And they are three points out. Is that that's just ridiculous? So, this could really be a turning point if they can figure out, like, if they keep scoring wonder goals and they keep playing defense. Who knows? I mean, they 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 very well could just say, you know, fuck around, find out, and playoffs. So, it's uh, it's it's it it all, but it all hinges on that on that defense, I think, and whether they can get, you know they can hold teams to a certain particular number of goals. And then the other X factor is going to be if they can score goals, obviously. Yeah. Partic- in particular, you're not going to score one or goals every game. No. So they find other ways of scoring goals. So um, I honestly think that their defense is fine. I know they get caught out a lot. And I think that's just getting caught in transition because that midfield isn't necessarily as good as it was. But defensively, I think they're still all right because they play three at the back. If you get caught in transition like that with a three at the back, you're going to concede, which is unfortunate because that's how they play. Um, But I think their defense is fine, but that attack worries me. It's not consistent. And the fact that their past three goals um, have only come off of something incredibly special is not good, even if it has been somewhat working. And I'll bring up the transfer now. I'm kind of surprised they did not. They might have, and obviously we just won't know about it. But I'm kind of surprised they didn't at least try to make a move for one of Rodrigo da Costa or Philip Goodrum. Because they were both clearly, after this trade, on the block. Like, the teams were willing to move them. And Memphis, I no, Tulsa did include a transfer fee for Philip Goodrum. I'm not sure what it was, but I don't know what Detroit have money-wise to pay for players, if any at all. But if it's there for either, you should try something. But again, they don't have probably much to offer player-wise or money-wise. So maybe it's a bit of a long shot, but like Goodrum in that system probably works. Rodrigo DaCosta in that system probably works. I know it's a probably, but you have to try it because what they're getting so far from Rutz and Yuzid Matthews isn't enough. Yeah. 
sim- simply put. And if if they would have gotten Goodrum, it definitely improves their chances. Now, at the same time, Goodrum hasn't necessarily been his best to start the year, but I think also some of that falls on Stephen Glass. I don't necessarily know he's or I just I don't necessarily think he's been using him correctly. And it's kind of led to a bit of a fall off in production. But I think with Blair Gavin at Tulsa, those numbers will go back up. And I think we'll probably see him at least still get 15-plus goals this season. I think that's a fair thing. And I think – I know Stephen Glass has MLS ties, particularly with Atlanta United. Um, And Philip Goodrum coming from Atlanta United too. I don't think he necessarily wants to go back there because that's all Stephen Glass has to offer in terms of MLS. Blair Gavin has Columbus Crew and other MLS ties, and we know Philip Goodrum wants that higher move. And maybe this is, um, maybe I'm pulling this out of nowhere, but this could also be a move for the future where Philip Goodrum, after this season, if he does provide for Tulsa like he did, at least on some level last year gets that move to MLS that he wanted because we knew in the off season, he was very unhappy because he had offers abroad in MLS and Memphis didn't let him leave. And now that he's not providing, they're like, yeah, you can go, mm-hmm. which is un it's unfortunate that it's come to this, that he has to go to a Tulsa team with one win on the season and has to prove himself again when he had that opportunity. Um, I, I think I think he takes it. I hope he takes it because he's a fantastic player, and I think he deserves that move somewhere else. But I hope I I think Tulsa will be better off with him, and I think Memphis will be better off with DaCosta. Yeah, I think the other side of this for uh for Memphis getting DaCosta back, that's a pretty decent return. But at the same time, I do feel like if they would have let Goodrum go, maybe that would have been the better option if they let him go to Europe and we'll get more into it later on. So we don't want to, we don't want to try and delve into it too much now, but that's definitely uh, my thoughts. Yeah. And if, if Memphis would have let Goodrum go earlier, it also, I don't think they get as good of a player as DaCosta because DaCosta, I think is good for probably about 10 to 12 goals a season. He's a, and that's coming from a Tulsa team that, hasn't necessarily been great offensively. So maybe this unlocks him a lot more. And maybe this does hold Philip Goodrum back a bit more. Or maybe Philip Goodrum is just that something that really helps Tulsa. But I don't, I think Memphis is thinking is that they probably don't get anything um, matching Philip Goodrum at all. If they let him go in in the offseason, which is fine. Um, I'm trying to think of any player that they could have gotten. I'm kind of like, I mean, they could have gotten Arteaga possibly because Indy let him go. They could have gotten Gwenzadi, but he hasn't been necessarily great for Indy so far. So it's a lot to speculate about, but I think this move works for both teams as of right now. And I think it's the right move overall uh, for, for both, for both uh, players. And yeah. It makes sense for both of them. Um, we're going to move on to something new. We have both picked three teams and three players that have surprised us this season for good or bad. Um, and then we'll also 
pick who we think we might not get to it in this segment. We might get to it in the second segment, but we're both going to pick who we think is a favorite so far for the title. And then we'll jump into obviously open cup and all that stuff. But we'll start off with you. You're number three. What team has surprised you for better or worse so far? I think the team that has really surprised me the most has been Colorado. I just, I, I struggle to find how they have been this good. Just, just the fact that we thought coming into the season that they let go of Michi Galina mm-hmm. in the offseason. They let go of Haji Berry in, in the middle of the season. We're, we're just, and we're sitting here like, they got good players and got Romario Williams. They got Devin Speedy Williams. They got, got they got Foster. And it like, those are great players, but they're not on the same level as the guys that they let go. And so we were just extremely concerned about that. But then these guys have come in and guys like the Shane Beckford have like just stepped up humongously and have provided a, a massive spark uh, to that to that to that t- attacking line, and defensively, I mean Benny, no, not Benny Diaz, uh, Chris, Christian Herrera, I think is 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 his name. Uh, he's he's been very good in goal. He's he's done a great job of coming in for I I forget I forget who it was Jeff Caldwell. Yep, who hired. He's done it. Christian Herrera has done a great job in goal to fill that void Jeff Caldwell left when he retired. So overall, they currently sit fifth on 16 points. And although they've lost their last three, I think they'll figure it out relatively. And I think they're, they're pretty proven. So. Yeah, I, I agree a lot. I think those last three losses are tough, but clearly they have something they're going on that is just beyond the players that they have because I don't necessarily I think fifth is about right for them to be completely honest from what we've seen and the teams above them so far and how they performed I do think fifth is a good spot for them come the end of the season they finish lower disappointing they finish higher it's a great achievement but I think fifth is about that spot now that we've seen what they have like I didn't even really I can't remember my initial um things but i think i put them like lower like seventh or eighth and they've really shown up and shown out so i am very surprised i definitely think that for my number three i will definitely have to go uh birmingham at the beginning of the season i thought that they were going to be pretty rough to watch because i didn't see the depth that they had and then in the first game i believe or whatever Tyler Pasher pulls out an absolute masterclass and you're just like this is a team that will be good this year and to their to be fair they did start off really well and now it's starting to kind of uh trail off four losses in their last four games is not good but the fact that they still have those four losses and they still sit fifth is just like how I don't know how close the East is and also how 
not great you have to be to even be in the top five right now. They have won less than half of their games, and they still sit in the top five in the East. So while like I guess I could be kind of right in that they aren't as good as last year, which a lot of teams, to be completely honest, aren't as good as last year, um, I'm still surprised that they are in a top half playoff spot. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree because coming into the season, I believe I had, I believe I had Birmingham sitting ninth or eighth in the East. So we were we were kind of right in that aspect that they weren't going to be the same team as last year necessarily, but I think we really overlooked the 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 fact that Tyler Pasher is just an incredible player. Yeah, and Agadello is 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 really good too. And yeah, I mean, they they've just done a great job. And I think also the fact that they've let Cono Smith go to to Rhode Island, who's such a prominent figure, maybe could be contributing to this run of of bad form. But at the same time, that was that was also a while ago, and they still played well without him. So we know what they're capable of, even without him. So I think I think it's uh, they're doing a really good job of playing playing as as a team and playing together and they're getting goals to show for it and they're getting a pretty pretty decent results to show for it as well yeah and they still have the opportunity to fall out every team below them has at least a game in hand um and while they are about six points above the playoff line there's still so much room for every team with how close the east is I mean, Memphis have played nine games. They have three games in hand. And while they're only about, they're one spot below them, some teams below them have two games in hand, some teams have one game in hand, and a lot of the teams who have one game in hand are just outside the playoffs in general. So it's a very close call already for a Birmingham team who needs to pick it up soon. Because the last the last game, a 2-1 loss at home to El Paso. El Paso have been on fire. So, I mean, that's... You can't really ever excuse a loss, to be completely honest. But if it comes against El Paso, who have just been riding the hot hand in the past couple weeks, I mean, it's like six games in a row now with a win. That is understandable to a point. But at home, you want to be winning those games. Either way, they're fifth. And I think they maybe don't stay there, but I think sixth, seventh, is about the right spot for them. I think they overperformed at the beginning of the year, but clearly we underestimated how good they actually were. So who is yeah. your number two? Who is your number two? All right. Okay. So I think for for my number two, I'll go with a I'll go with a disappointing team, uh, in, in my opinion. Uh, and that that definitely for me has to be Hartford. Cause coming into the season, they just made so many moves that looked really good. We talk a lot about how Phoenix last year did, you know, the whole thing, spend a lot of money, looks good on paper. Well, you know, it must lead to results. But with Hartford, they didn't necessarily spend a whole lot of money. It felt like they got a lot of what looks like really good players, right? And so they got Elvis Amo, they got, uh, they signed Matt Sheldon, they they got Antoine Hopeno, who was a fantastic creator for Detroit City last year. And 
it just hasn't been there. It really hasn't been there. And although they have won two out of their last five, they've also lost three out of their last five. So it's kind of it's kind of typifying what's happening with them. And while they sit three points from the playoffs, I just don't know if they have what it takes to really compete with teams like uh like Memphis and in Birmingham and in in Indy who have who have start been starting to pick it up lately as well. Not to mention Miami has sort of been picking it up relatively, even though they lost their last two. They also have two wins in the last five. So Hartford just really just haven't looked good, particularly at the back. Yeah. And- <laughs> it's rough. They can score, but they cannot defend. That's a that's a testament to a lot of teams this year. They can score but they can't defend. Um do you think Tab Ramos, if these kind of results keep coming, like if the season that we've seen so far from them continues out, where they would probably finish on like six or seven wins, do you think he sees the end of the season? Because I mean, like it's hard to sack somebody like that from where they've come from and the stature that they have. But like, at what point is it just like, we actually need to be good because they have not, I think they've made the playoff one, the playoffs once in their entire entire existence, or at least been close. Right, and that's that's like a very that's a very tough decision for me to say. I think in it's the loaded, yeah. in the in the grand in the grand scheme of things, I think they just have a lot of players that haven't played up to par of what they really should play up to, and I think in that aspect, because I love Tab Ramos's system. I think it is a system that can be successful and a system that can win you matches and get points. But when the players don't necessarily execute and then you don't have the results to show for it, it's more so on the players, I feel, than anything else. But it does co- it, go- it does go to a certain extent, though. And I think if, if, if these results keep coming, it could very well be a possibility he is sacked. So it it needs to play itself out, I think. And I think he stays the rest of the season. I just think he stays the rest of the season. And then, again, if the results keep not going their way, there could be a change in the summer. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, it's hard to let go of some of that, especially with probably how much he is making right now. I mean, he probably is a top earner. I'm just guesstimating because of his um, position with so many people and just how big of a legend he is in the u.s community and as a coach i'm just guessing there but it seems about right um and with elvis amo the fact that they were able to lure him away from a switchbacks team that was very good last year and would probably be better with him there to be completely honest is crazy and the fact that they're not really utilizing him even though he did score in the last game um i think is it's it's disappointing for sure um let's we're running out of time quickly so we're gonna try and just not really speed run but go quickly through these last three um for my number two i've gone new mexico united um purely because i think they have a lot of offer and obviously no more devin sandoval which is a big loss um they brought in doling they brought in a lot from phoenix and it seemed like some good options up top but they currently sit around eighth in the Western Conference. They've got three wins in their last four, so they're picking it up. But that start to the season, which was a late start to the season, 
is very disappointing. So maybe they jump off that list as the season goes on. But right now, I've put them there. Who do you have for your number one? I think the number one team that has been the most surprising to me has been Oakland. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) I mean, Oakland just... It's it, it's kind of the same with Colorado, but it's just on a different level. You look at their roster, and you just say, "How the flip are they? Are are they are they that good?" It just it just doesn't make sense because they play such a slow style, such a such a boring style, and yet they still score goals some way. They still find ways to 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 get results, and they. When it when it comes down to it, they just always freaking get it done. I it's it's about time we just stop doubting them because yeah. they 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 straight up get it done. I mean, yeah, it, it it's 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 in it's hard to put it into words, but guys like Tarek Morad have been great. Formella has been great. Uh Edgardo Rito has been fantastic Edgardo these past Rito, couple games. Edgardo Rito has probably been a top two player for them, I think. He has been phenomenal. Paul Blanchett just does his thing. And yes. yeah, they just do all their jobs so 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 well. So I think it's it's a major props to Noah Delgado as well, who has done a very good, a very good job at leading them in that charge. So yeah, I think uh I think they're just they're clear cut for me. Yeah, I think moving on from Juan Guerra, as much as as much like success, I say it with air quotes, he got them into the playoffs pretty consistently, which is, you know, good. Um, For as much as he brought to the team, I think Delgado is unlocking the potential that was actually there. Um, They are still on the fringes, but as compared to their starts to the past seasons, this is, like, way, way, way better. And I also think they are better with just a more cohesive team where there is contributions from players all over the field and it's not Carlson putting away two penalties a game. And you're just like, oh, you know, that's great. He's got like 20 goals, but he's kind of the only person scoring. So. And that's that's the, that's the bigger aspect of it, right? They let they let go. Well, they didn't let go of Carlson because he was on the loan. Yeah. But losing Carlson and coming into this season, we were all just like, where are the goals going to come from? And then it's, it's come from all over, which has been the most important thing. And – it's kind of similar to us in a way because we don't have a true number nine necessarily. We, I mean, Valeski is a center forward, but you know, his hold up play isn't the greatest I'd say, but at the same time, the goals come from all around. And so they, Oakland is really good in that aspect. And so they, they just do a phenomenal job at that. They do. And I think they continue it on this year. And I think, I think it's going to be one of those things where now that we're not doubting them, maybe they do start playing bad. But for the sake of them and for the sake of what they have gone through the past couple of seasons in terms of how they've start, I hope it continues on well. They do deserve it, especially with how, what they've gone through stadium-wise. Um, for nine, my number one, we've got four minutes left. We'll run through it. I'm taking a big turn here. I don't think it's something you'd expect. I'm going for Las Vegas. Um, the reason I'm doing this is that we thought that they would be bad to start the year and they've been very bad. They started off with four draws. They started off all the way from home. And I was thinking, Hmm, 
there could be something there. They come home. I, they, I don't think they've picked up a single point at home. They are the only team without a win this year. I didn't think it would be that bad. And while I could sit here and pull out the cards of like, oh, Charleston have surprised me, you know, Sacramento have surprised me. I don't think they've surprised me quite to an extent that Las Vegas being the only winless team has surprised me because they have good pieces there and they're definitely going to pull out a win this year. If they, if they break the record as the only winless team in USL championship history, come the end of the year, I will be immensely surprised. But I mean, honestly, it's on the cards, which is crazy to say. And they've got some good attacking options that could be game changers, but that defense needs work. Um, Leo Diaz in goal, I like him, but I mean, a lot of work needs to be done. And it's like, you can only count on Botelho Faz and whoever for so long before you actually need to build a cohesive roster. Yeah, definitely. The Just the, the biggest problem with them is simply that back line. They don't have it figured out. And they are they've they've been leaking goals because of it, not in huge amounts, but to the point where if you do have an off night, particularly in the attacking end, because uh, again there's only so much as as you said, Batola Faz and Tabora Taka can do, you're gonna lose, and it's yeah. as simple as that. So it's it's just at the back they have so many questions that need to be answered that I don't think will be answered, and I think if anything. They'll probably get like two or three wins on this year. Yeah. That that's that's probably what I'm I'm going I'm going for because I don't I don't I just don't see them figuring it out. So yeah. yeah. It's gonna be it could be a Red Bulls two level kind of season for them, which is unfortunate. Um I know they're I don't th- necessarily think the lights themselves are trying to build a case for an MLS bid, but I think the city is in general, and if this is what they have which the fans still come out, but obviously you drop some when you start losing. It's not looking good for the lights and maybe an MLS bid going forward. So uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back with our top three surprising for better or worse players. All right, we are back from that quick little break. Let's jump into our top three surprising players. Noah? Your number three in terms of surprising for good or bad, who have you got? Uh, so I think uh, in terms of top three for good, I think I have to go with Rocco Rios Novo. Uh, I think coming into the season, I think we kind of knew what he was capable of, and he did. He has a pretty hefty price tag, of course, but I don't think we expected him to be as good as we thought he was going to be. Thirty nine saves on the year. And although uh, Phoenix overall has one clean sheet on the year, he has kept them in numerous matches, numerous matches, including the match we played against. We played against them, and when he had that fantastic save, and he stole he stole a point from us, or he stole he stole those points from us when we played him. So I think he's done a really good job in in between the pipes for them. So I I really applaud him for what he's done. I don't think we, and again, I don't think we necessarily expect him to be that good. Yeah. Um, he's very young to be 
um, where he is in his career already. He's an absolute journeyman already. He's played with Atlanta United too. He's played with Atlanta United in MLS. He's from, um, I believe, the River Plate Academy. Or, I th- no, I think it's Lanou- Club Atletico Lanús um, mm-hmm. in Argentina. Both very good academies. Um, and he's still so young. And to be on this Phoenix team, I feel like he could be here for a while and could grow into a top USL Championship goalkeeper. And maybe does get a move after building himself here. Because, again, we like you said, we've seen a lot of good stuff from him. He's really helped this Phoenix team um, in a not necessarily even a rebuild year. I don't think like a rebuild year is really like missing the playoffs and just trying to rebuild from the bottom. They are here to win now. They've done it again where they go out and get the best that they can possibly get. But clearly it's a lot better than just throwing the tactics out the window and getting the best you can get. They have a clear plan and Rios Novo is definitely a big part of it and he is working. So he he is huge for sure. Um yeah, definitely. For me, my number three is gonna be Zach Ryan at Loudon United. They have, of course, like we've been saying this whole episode, fallen off a little bit, but the fact that he has performed like he has coming from the Red Bulls and Red Bulls 2 Academy and not necessarily working out there and then being a focal point in this Loudoun United team and the success that they had early on in the season is huge. I think if he continues on like this, I believe he has about six, seven goals right now. He gets a move kind of like Philip Goodrum got the move from Atlanta United to, to really prove himself on another championship team. Um, Because I don't necessarily know how far this Loudoun team takes him and how far this Loudon team moves forward in the next couple seasons, to be completely honest. Yeah, definitely. Uh I think I think his ability to be so clinical in the box is really what stands out. His ability to score goals and take his chances, as I said, very clinically and not waste those opportunities is a very underrated aspect, I think. And something we didn't really think about coming in. Well, obviously we hadn't seen him, but we hadn't seen him play. But he he has been very, very, very good for that Loudon team. And in terms of the last four or five games, has still continued to be a bright spot. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of teams uh, or a lot of players on the Loudon team that you can honestly pick and choose for being a surprisingly good player this year. I won't say him because I don't know who you've got, but a lot come to mind. So with that being said, who is your who is your number two that you've got there? Uh I'm I'm gonna kind of follow the same pattern. I'm gonna go for worse. I think a player that I really didn't expect to perform as badly as I thought was well, I, I, I would say it's Caleb Caleb Jennings. I just don't he hasn't really gotten any um he hasn't really gotten the results he he's wanted. He scored, I think it's two two goals or something like that. But overall, it's been a pretty disappointing campaign from him so far. And I just expected a lot more, especially him going to a system like Neil Collins. And I know the the Rowdies have been 
a little sub subpar in terms of the results I've gotten, but they've been better as of late. Yeah. And he hasn't really been involved in all of that. It feels like it's sort of been other players that have been getting the job done. And I just feel like I expect more from him, especially coming off the season he did last year. Yeah. It's been, it's been a lot of Charlie Dennis in Tampa Bay as of recent. So that is huge. And I, I agree. I think he's kind of just un- unfortunately in that area where right now it's JJ Williams and Schroeder up top who are um, ahead of him in the pecking order. And he has been scoring. Uh, yeah, I believe he got a goal against either RGV or whoever Tampa Bay played before that. So that's, I mean, like he's still putting together performances sort of, but definitely after what we've seen him do before, not great. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, that Tampa Bay team is so stacked right now. So it's hard to be like a great player and like be put down that pecking order. So they're kind of suffering from success of having too good of a roster right now. And yeah, I mean, if you're not scoring goals and you're not, you're not getting the results that your manager wants you to get, then you're probably going to fall out. And I think that's kind of what we've seen, especially in terms of Neil Collins, who holds his players to a very high standard. So yeah, I think it's no surprise. For my number two, we're going to San Diego. We're going to Evan Conway. I think with the departure of Kyle Vassell and um, the just attacking moves that they've made, he's really come into his own as a goal scorer. He had nine goals last year. He's already at about halfway to his tally, one third of the way through the season. And with how young he is, I think he really is that focal point in attack now for uh, San Diego. And I think, especially with the news that San Diego are getting an MLS team, I think that's huge that now they have like a big player now growing who is so young and who will lead them forward. Because it's one thing to be like, I'll kind of go down, I guess, that area of just like being a USL team and not having like making that move to MLS or like having an MLS team come into your area and just being like a mediocre team. San Diego are not a mediocre team. And it's clear that they have a future and it's clear that Evan Conway is a big part of it. That's kind of what I'm getting towards. He's a great player who's really coming to his own and he clearly is a future of that attack. And I think that's why I'm going with like, he's kind of surprising me in a very, very good way. So he's getting better season by season. And I'm excited to see how he continues throughout this year. Yeah, I completely agree. He's spearheading that front line really well. And he's he's getting the goals to show for it. And his teammates are putting service into him really well. His hold-up play has been very good as well as a number nine. So, yeah, I, I think, I think uh, well, he has been surprising. I was kind of, I think I saw that because he was going to go into that starting 11 and, you know, because they really had no other option. They lost Vassell and Among as their yeah. center forward. So it, it it it's it's great to see him finally come into his own and really get those results. Yeah, I, I guess I'm going for the angle that he didn't, like, he was impressive last year, and I think we all knew he'd be impressive this year. 
but to already be halfway to equaling his goal tally last year and being that much more of a provider for the team already just after the one season last year and making the jump to this year is pretty unprecedented because sometimes you have that player who just needs like two or three, four seasons to really grow into the team. Evan Conway is here and he is ready now to be that frontline player, that star forward. He is that now. So I think that's big for San Diego. Who have you got at number one? So I'm not trying to copy you or anything. <laughs> my number one is Zach Ryan. I think I, I just don't know who else could be right. Cause coming into the season, like I, I didn't even heard about Zach Ryan. I'll be, I'll be completely honest now. Like, Granted, it was probably like my first season of ever watching like really competitive soccer. But he was a guy who came in. He was one of those offseason signings where it's like, okay, right? Like, interesting signing. And then he's come into the season and just absolutely torn it up. Just done an absolutely incredible job. And as I previously mentioned, his ability to finish inside of the box is is impeccable. And He's just, yeah, I can't, I can't say enough about how much he's played or how well he's played and yeah, I, I think he only keeps it up and I think it's only up from here as well. Yeah. Uh, we, t- we talked about the goals he has. I do think if he is not in this team, Loudoun United are cl- clearly a lot lower in the table because with what Loudoun United have in order to like with their pull in order like to bring in players and just like the quality that they have, I don't think that there's a lot more that they could have gotten in the offseason um, comparative to Zach Ryan. Like they're not going to go out and make moves like bringing in Gwenzotti or whatever the other teams like Indy were able to make. They're not on that level quite yet. They could get there now that they're separate from DC United. I mean, they did just, I mean, not even really quite separate yet. They did just bring in Jackson Hopkins on loan from DC United for a short while. Um, so, I mean, there's still some ties there, but Zach Ryan, I think was the best that they could get. And it's working out a lot better than I think they thought it would be. Definitely. And an, an honor, an honorable mention, I like to shout out, uh, and he kind of just came to mind, but we have talked about him before Dennis Costitian. Yeah. Who has been just phenomenal. We said it before, how the hell did El Paso's front office find out about this guy? He's just been – he's so good in the attack, distributes so well, and then he scores too. So he's been phenomenal, and he deserves an honor, an honorable mention, and he's probably my number four if we were going further. So he's been awesome. Yeah, so. he's been very good. Um, He's definitely an honorable mention for me as well. I have like three more – like two more Loudon players for honorable mentions, Khalil Ahmedkar, uh, Hugo Faro, and Cole Turner. All, I've all been great. But my number one, we've mentioned him earlier in the episode. It's Christian Herrera in goal for the switchbacks. I haven't, there's been some players that have like disappointed me this year, um, but I haven't really put any on the list because, I mean, just there's so many stories in terms of players who have not really overperformed, but have really come into their own in a good culture, in a good team. And Christian Herrera really is one of them. He's had opportunities now that Jeff Caldwell is gone. Due to retirement, 
and he is taking them and he is leading the Switchbacks team to a gr- a pretty great season based off of at least what we thought they would have. So I think that's big. I mean, in, and in terms of a league that is filled with great goalkeepers, like every pretty much every team has a goalkeeper capable of keeping their team in a game. But Christian Herrera has been above so many of them and what he's been able to do this year. Yeah, definitely. I think there's one play that really typifies his he, him coming onto the scene, per se. And I think that was that save against El Paso. That was just an insane save. In, incredibly difficult. Uh, and it, I mean, it still even had a chance to go in, so it was a great strike because it hit the crossbar off the save. But for him to keep that out just shows how far he's come and how well he has been doing and the form he is in. So major, major props to him. And that switchbacks team is not there in the position they are without him. Absolutely not. I think he is, he is a big part of this team right now and moving forward. So that's my number one. Let's talk about who we think is the current favorite for the title. I know it's early. We might catch... Uh, we might be jumping in the deep end a little bit, which is fine. You know, that's all what we're here for is just trying to get out as early as possible, seeing if, you know, maybe we do know more. Who do you think is the current favorite? One third I think by, the way. By, yeah, by far and away, the favorite for me is Sacramento. I think we both agree here. <laughs> Sacramento. Yeah. Uh, they're just... Yeah, they're so good. There's there's not a lot to say. Russell Cicerone, uh, Connor Donovan. Um, yeah, that's that's all there is to say. Many of it yellow. So, but really just like they're so good in, in the back line and then they score goals to go with it. And it's a massive recipe for success. And I think maybe at this point, though, uh, a, a dark a dark horse at this point could very well be like a um, an El Paso team who is playing very well. Now, of course, they did drop off towards the end of last year, but I think they're here to stay this time. I think, yeah, I think they're past that for sure. Past it, and I think they are a dark horse, and they're playing, they're playing like they're a dark horse. So, at this point. 22 points, five wins in the last five. They're, they're, I don't think they're slowing down anytime soon. No. And they've made good, like they've made top quality teams look silly. Two results come to mind. 4-0 against the Switchbacks and 5-0 against Louisville. Um, I mean, San Antonio did the same thing against Charleston, but I think... And then San Antonio turn around and lose 1-0 to Detroit. Sacramento don't do that. Sacramento have kept it up this whole season. So I agree that they are the front runner right now. I think it'd be silly not to put them here. Uh, In terms of my dark horse right now, I honestly like the Riverhounds a lot. I think the U.S. Open Cup is, if they get past this next round, which we'll talk about in a minute, it could be more of a distraction, and maybe they do fall off a bit. But clearly right now with Danny Griffin back 
and Edward Kizza and Albert Dick were firing on all cylinders. They have something going on that they haven't the past couple seasons. And currently, they being in fourth, they haven't lost in their last four. There's a lot to like. And it seems like after a pretty iffy start that a lot of good teams had at the start of the season, it seems like them alongside like Tampa and Louisville are really starting to hit their stride. And this midseason is where teams, like you really find out what teams are made of. This is where contenders are built. And this is where teams start to slide down the table. And you're like, okay, this is how it's going to be. And Pittsburgh, I feel like are going to be up in around that third second come the end of the season, like they're already pushing for. Yeah. And I think uh, while we have said before that no one player can carry a team, it feels like Albert Equa is doing just that. Yeah. The guy has been, it's hard to put into words, but he has been what feels like Pittsburgh's everything to them. Just scoring goals left and right. Feels any time that ball comes to his feet, it's going in the back of the net because he knows how to just freaking score, man. Uh, and so, but overall, there's just there's still just a solid team. Danny Griffin, of course, and Jamali Waite is a is a very good keeper, I think. And yeah, the the midfield is great for them too. And then Carnado Forbes doing his thing as well. So just overall as a team even though it feels like Deke was carrying them because it kind of looks like that almost, they're a well-rounded team as well. Yeah. I, Robbie Mertz, Cornado Forbes, and Danny Griffin in a midfield is, I know we talked about Aiden Quinn, Jack Blake, and Cam Lindley being like an underutilized midfield that has potential to be a top midfield. Robbie Mertz, Cornado Forbes, and Danny Griffin probably is that like midfield that is Bob Lilly is getting the most out of and is a top midfield trio in the league. I mean, it is crazy how good that is. Not many match that. And I was going to say, you brought him up. Another honorable mention for top three players, just like top players in general, is Jamali Waite. I mean, not necessarily keeping them in games because Pittsburgh haven't needed to be kept in games because they're so good. But what he has done in goal distribution-wise and save-wise and just being a leader is truly special. Um, I I think he him being in goal is big, but overall, this team is doing a fantastic job together. And in what might be Bob Lilly's last season as a head coach, I think a deep run in the U.S. Open Cup combined with maybe a actual push for the title would be it's it's going to be special for anybody but maybe in his last season it'd be even bigger yeah and particularly with weight i think we definitely saw flashes of that last year particularly in the match against birmingham in the playoffs i think the way he went about his business particularly during the shootout was massive and he played such a massive part in getting them to the next round and although they ended up, ended up losing to Louisville, I mean, how can you fault someone for losing to Louisville in the playoffs? Um, but he played a massive part. So, yeah, he's he's doing a really good job. Absolutely. Um, 
I don't think there's anywhere else to really go with that. Let's move on. We talked about it in the first segment. We'll jump back into it again uh, because it's probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest, um, intra-league trade ever. Rodrigo da Costa for Philip Goodrum and a transfer fee. Um, what does this do for both teams? What What do you think this does for both teams in terms of new scenery, new player, all that? I think for Memphis, while they're losing a great goal scorer, I think it's better for their system and for what Steven Glass wants to do, who, as we mentioned, finally figured out that putting Rashawn Daly at right back <laughs> was the right option. Uh, I think Steven Glass is starting to figure it out, but with Goodrum there, it hasn't really been there when Goodrum has been in the lineup. So a change with a guy like DaCosta, I think maybe he finds himself a bit more in that system of Steven Glass, and he could very well get up to 15 goals per game, potentially. So I think in terms of Tulsa, what this means for them, I could see them potentially you know, getting higher in the standings. But at the same time, as as I as I mentioned to you in a message, uh, the biggest back line for me continues to the the biggest question for me continues to be their back line, and and they figure it out there because they have such capable attacking options. Moses Dyer, Marcus Epps. They just need to figure out the back. I think Michael Nelson is great, but there's only so much he can do, and the back line is relatively thin. And if there's injuries, it may not be looking too pretty for them. Yeah. Um, honestly, Moses Dyer, I, I could have put on my list in terms of disappointing because I had high hopes for him. I thought he'd be great. He has been pretty poor. I think he's got one goal this year so far. Um, so there's definitely Philip Goodrum moving there definitely adds another option in terms of just a clinical player who can get in behind and finish from all angles. Um, in terms of players moving and both these, I should say both these players making the move, I think they each fit the new system a lot more because I think Philip Goodrum needs an attacking and, um, just like building like Steven Glass has a very subdued tactical approach to the game. And I think that more fits Rodrigo da Costa because of how Tulsa have played in the past and what he's played. And maybe now that he's got like Jeremy Kelly, Jeremy Kelly, Luis Fernando, Bruno Lapa, Aaron Malloy behind them to service him. I think he um, provides more for this Memphis team. And now that Philip Goodrum can be a star player now in Tulsa. I mean, he would, he kind of was that in Memphis as well last year and could have been that this year. I think Blair Gavin's approach of intricate passing football and just pressing the other team with the ball, I think that is what Philip Goodrum needs, and I think he will work out there too. So I think it's a brilliant change of scenery for both players in terms of tactics and getting them to score goals for them. Absolutely, agreed. And also at the same time for Memphis, I think a move 
for Gudrum to Europe wouldn't have been the wouldn't have been the uh how do I put it? I think it also would have been a good option for Memphis. I think for Godrum to really get his name out there, it's it's important that he, you know, goes to Europe at some point. But also through Blair Gavin, who has MLS ties, it'll be also easier for him to maybe get to MLS. And then hopefully in a few seasons, he does get overseas and does get his name out there. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's hopeful, but it's not out of the realm of possibility at all. Yeah, I think Blair Gavin introduces him to MLS. Like he was on that Columbus Crew staff. Obviously, it comes down here. I think this introduces him to MLS style tactics. And while it's not necessarily MLS style opposition, it gets him sort of in that mindset and maybe a quarter of the way there to being an MLS player or an overseas player. Cause I think with the season he's started with, I know it was because of having the idea of not getting that move in the back of his mind and having Steven glass come in after Pierman left and that whole new change in terms of um, tactical approach and all that and implementing a new style. Obviously that all attributes to him not providing on the level that he did last year. But I think um, this move definitely helps him a lot more. And maybe if he stayed at Memphis, he would have found his footing with glass and that system. But I think this is the better option. Um, maybe even better than him moving abroad or up to MLS. Cause maybe he, cause I don't think if he can't find his way through the adversity of all that, then it's going to be just as difficult as making the move to a higher division. Yeah, definitely. And again, hopefully at some point, maybe he makes his way up to MLS and continues to work the ranks. So it's uh, it, it'll all start looking up for him soon, I think, though. Yeah, I think there there's two teams that come to mind. I think Sporting Kansas City would be a good fit for him because of um, their Alan Polito is not great right now. And Willie Agata, I believe, is injured. So th- that would be like a midseason thing. But I don't think that's happening because he just signed for Tulsa. And he's got at least a deal through the end of the year with them. But also Nashville, because of Nashville's eye for domestic talent. So honestly, keep an eye out for Nashville making an approach. They did it with Tyler Freeman. He's playing with Huntsville right now. Um, Danny Griffin played with Huntsville. It didn't necessarily work out. But keep an eye out for Philip Goodrum making that move to that Nashville-Huntsville MLS Next Pro uh, duo for sure. We'll move on to our last thing. We have more Open Cup action this week. We've got two representatives left, and they are big games, and they are both hosting these games. But one feels bigger than the other. I'm going to be completely honest, um, and I'm going to... I think it's Pittsburgh-Columbus in terms of how special a night it will be at Highmark. I think it'll be. it's going to be a big game for Birmingham, especially with how they've been in the past couple games in the league. But... Protective Stadium is so big that I don't know if they get the atmosphere that Pittsburgh are going to get at Highmark. And I honestly think, even as a crew fan, Pittsburgh has a better chance at going through than Birmingham does, to be completely honest. Yeah, I I really couldn't agree more because you just look at the form that Birmingham are in currently. 
and then you look at the form that Pittsburgh are in currently. I just entrust Pittsburgh so much more than Birmingham currently. And while Charlotte have had a, a relatively down year, I'd say, in particular, uh, they they have been pretty good in the Open Cup so far. And I think overall Charlotte could be a, a contender potentially for for the final and and all that. Because I think a lot of teams who have bad seasons then go on to win the cup because they view it as an opportunity, right? Uh, but at the end of the day, Pittsburgh, when you have a guy like Albert Equa, as I've previously mentioned, who's not to say? Who's not to say, right? Anything can be possible. And with that team, anything is possible. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think Birmingham... I think there's two approaches here. Pittsburgh, I think, are more of a um, cohesive team in terms of building play and all of that and moving forward and pressing and all that stuff. Birmingham, it seems like in their wins this year, have needed something special. Um, like a special performance from Pasher or Enzo Martinez or that magic of a comeback like we saw against Hartford and Tulsa. Against an MLS team who, granted, have not been having a great year, who have not been great in their two years of MLS existence, um, they're still absolutely steeped with talent who will punish you. And it's like magic is possible in the Open Cup, but it's a lot harder to find. And I don't necessarily think Birmingham are capable of it. And I don't think they're as capable of putting together a complete game uh, they've rarely done that done that this year where they've put together a cohesive game. Um, Pittsburgh have done that for most of the year, and we saw it against New England. That was a like a I don't I don't even know how to put it. Like a just end to end. Yeah, that's a textbook game of how to shut out an MLS team as a USL championship team. And Pittsburgh are capable of that again against Columbus. Because Columbus have had a particularly easy way through having Indy at home and then Loudon away. And I think maybe they get caught out here and just like, oh, you know, another USL opposition. We've taken care of business. This will be a special night at Highmark, something that they have not seen before. Um, Like a, a, a game at this level. Obviously, they've seen playoff games. Those are huge. But this game is probably just as big in terms of they have an opportunity to get to the quarterfinals, I believe it is, of the U.S. Open Cup. So there's a lot on the line for both teams. I think Pittsburgh are better suited for it. Definitely. Absolutely agree. So that is going to be it for today's episode. You had a couple of things that you wanted to say, however. I did. Uh, so I'm debating what I want to say first. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, 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 go, I'll go with the more, um, I guess, sentimental thing which is it was the one year anniversary of creating my account, uh, which was very, I made, I made a late night post about it because I created the, the account very late at night. <laughs> so uh, it was, it was the one year anniversary. So it's grown. I believe I, currently I sit at 593 followers is what I believe it is. And I've always said it though. Uh, followers to me is not a number. It's a community. So it's not, I don't look at it and say like, 
you know, oh, I want to get as much followers as possible. I want to say I want to build the community as much as possible. So that's uh, so I really thank everybody for that. And I'm very grateful for that. The second thing I wanted to say, uh, and this is a lot more exciting news. <laughs> the second team for us is currently just going off. <laughs> Our second team, uh, just, I mean, it, unbelievable stuff. Currently 4-0-0 and in USL2 league play. Uh, they won 1-0 against San Francisco Glens SC. And so far to date, San Francisco Glens has probably been the best team they've played so far. Pretty, pretty, pretty good quality uh, for an am- amateur uh, amateur team in Glens. And for us, you know, all these college players are former college players at that playing very, very well. Miguel Medina in particular. I'm going to say this right now. He's so much similar to Adrian in a sense that he's wiry. He's lively in the midfield. His quality on the ball and around the box is is very good. And in particular, I could see him, I could see a history with him on the first team because wow. he has looked phenomenal. Uh he actually had the he had the service on the set piece that got us the goal. It was a diving header by Francisco Ponce. And so yeah, they are just rolling. But the back line has also done a great job. Eric Lauta, the goalkeeper last match, did a great job as well. So everyone's doing the role, and it's a big credit to Ramiro Corrales as well, who is the head coach for them. So great stuff from from those boys. That's awesome, and it's it's great to see, um, just like second teams getting that ability to you know show off in USL League Two. And big shout out to Kick a Ball Pod, came out with his early season power rankings, has Monterey Bay two up top. Uh, Big shout out to him in general. Love the interviews, love the content. And obviously, Monterey Bay 2 at top is huge as well. But I mean, you get that when you go for 0-0 in your opening four games as a um, team in your first season. So I mean, like, couldn't be any better right now. Right. And it should be mentioned, as Kick a Ball Pub mentioned, uh, there's 122 teams. Yes. So can't necessarily get ahead of ourselves. Uh, and... Also, it's going to be cool to see the the one you had on Peoria City. It's going to be cool to see them as well. It is. Play. They they did lose their first game of the year, which is oh. unfortunate. But, you know, there's like it is a summer season. So there's like, I believe, seven, eight games left before the playoffs. So not a lot of room for error, but we'll see how they go. Hoping for big things for Monterey Bay 2 and Peoria City. Um, and I mean... Obviously, this summer, hopefully a lot more uh, coaches, players from all across the USL to come on. I'm looking forward to that for sure. And hopefully with the amount of growth the club has had, hopefully an academy is created soon. That's 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 uh, keeping my fingers crossed. Academy would be big. That is that is how you launch a team forward, to be completely honest. I know Indy announced that they have a W League um, and MLS Next Academy in the works now. They've been approved for that. So in terms of how they've been playing this year, um, that is much needed. As a, I mean, India in general have been growing so fast. Plans for a downtown stadium, so many partnerships, and now this, academy-wise, things are exciting for Indy 11. And just in general, just to bring that up. So... Mm-hmm. 
that will be the end of today's episode. Um, I don't believe that there will be anything out midweek this week. Um, if there are any interviews I get set up with players or coaches, I will make sure to put that all out on the page. But other than that, you can look forward to next weekend's episode, which will be next. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Noah, for being back. I mean, like, I, I always say that, but he'll be here for every episode pretty much. So, yeah. So. Thank you guys for listening and we will see you guys next weekend.